Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. We're still seeing it quite well through that haze. The fight is growing. E equals MC. That all men are created equal. About the future innovation. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Hi, you're listening to the Voice America Talk Radio Network at our studios here in Phoenix, Arizona. My name is Randall Libero. And we've got a special interview for you today. We're going, to be, we're going to be talking about the past, present, and future of development here in the Phoenix metropolitan area where our studios are here are, and uh, beyond. And uh, we're going to be speaking today with uh, a very special gentleman. He's a new CEO of a company here, uh, Rosenden uh, Electric, uh, Rosenden Construction. Rosen and Electric. Rosen Electric here in Phoenix, Arizona, a pretty well-known company for those of you who have been around here a while. We sometimes see uh, construction projects going on around town. You'll see the name Rosenden. I've seen that myself uh, driving around. And um, and we're going to be speaking with uh, uh, Rosenden's new CEO nationally, Mike Greenewalt, a name some of you may know, who is uh, who's going to be here in the studio with us today talking about um, – mostly about Phoenix, but we'll be learning also about the history of Rosenden. So, Mike, thanks uh, thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. Uh, so, um, you're, um, you're a Valley native here in, uh, in Arizona, in Phoenix? Yes, I call myself a native. Technically, uh, uh, at six months old, they brought me out from Pennsylvania, so I, I, okay. I don't, don't tell anybody that, <laughs> but uh, uh, I have no recollection of Oil City, Pennsylvania, other than I found it on the map and looked at it on Google Earth and said, I'm pretty proud to be a Phoenix native. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, a lot of people are transplants here. I'm from the East Coast myself. So, um, so Rosenden has been around quite a long time. It started as a company in, uh, way back in 1919. Yes, that was uh, um, 1919. It was a it was a quite the year. You know, prohibition started in 1919, so it was a, a, a pretty rough start for Rosenden. Uh, it was founded by Moses Rosenden, and uh, Moses was uh, an electrician that was doing uh, electric motor rewiring, servicing the uh, the pumps for the orchards in San Jose, California, the Santa Clara Valley, and uh, he started the company. Then it was just him and his wife. And he he worked uh, servicing the pumps, the uh, servicing the motors, and that was his main line of business into uh, the uh, 1920s and into the 30s. And from what I understand, as the war broke out, uh, Moses was breaking. Was uh, this is World War One we're talking about? <laughs> no, actually, we're talking World War Two. World War Two. Yeah, oh, he, okay. You know, oh, he, that far. Okay. Yeah, we we uh, talking to. Uh, uh, Ray Rosenden. Okay. Ray Rosenden is uh, Moses' son. Right. And learning the history, uh, Moses would go up to work in the shipyard in uh, San Francisco. So he would drive from Santa Clara Valley with a truck to work in the shipyard as an electrician. And he would pick up some of his workers on the way and, and take a truckload of workers up to support the war effort. And he he developed uh, you know a pretty good following and grew his business quite a bit by doing that and, and working with the war effort. 
And when he came back, he had, uh, you know, he had, he had had a couple of sons, and he started more into the uh, construction business. And as uh, time grew, grew, moved forward, Moses started doing uh, some uh, general construction, electrical work, still working with the motor winding business. And it was in the 50s when he started really uh, building a lot of the schools. The Santa Clara Valley was growing at a great pace. And as uh, his sons grew older, they, uh, Ray and Lou, came into the business. And Rosedon became a, a very big public works contractor, working a lot in Santa Clara Valley, the city, city of uh, San Jose and the surrounding areas. The company grew, uh, did very well. Uh, it was basically local to the San Jose area. And if you fast forward into uh, uh, the mid-1990s, companies like Intel, Hewlett-Packard were growing and moving. And the first big move was Intel went to um, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and and asked Rosenden to go over and and work on a project. And uh, a year later, Intel uh, announced the Fab 12 project in South Chandler Hmm. and asked Rosenden to come to Arizona. Everywhere we go, we stay. And when, that's the mid-90s we're talking This is mid-90s. About, right? This is 1994, 1995. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we got our business license in Arizona in 1994 and started working in early 1995 on that factory. Uh, part of our relationships with these clients is when we come into a town forum, they say, we need you to become part of the local fabric. We need you to be a local contractor. We need you here for the future, not just one job. And that's exactly what we did. We came to Phoenix. We put down roots. We opened our first office in Mesa in spring of 1995. Uh, we outgrew it and moved to, to another place in Mesa in, in 1996. Uh, we stayed in that location until about 2005. And we moved to Tempe. And we outgrew that location. And in 2009, we, we bought our location in Tempe. Uh, it's right off of Priest and Elliot. We bought that building. In, in 2012, we ended up having to lease the building next door. And just recently, we, we couldn't find the space we needed in that office park. We, we leased another uh, 20,000 square feet just across I-10. Uh, in that short amount of time, 20-some years, we've gone from a job to being one of the largest contractors in the state. Uh, we're a big part of the Tempe and the Valley fabric, mm. and we're pretty proud of what we've done and, and the customers that brought us here. We're still happy to be, you know, one of their largest electrical contractors on site. And it's a, it's been a great thing. It's been a great uh, move for our company, and, and Arizona's been great to us, and we're very proud to, to have our Arizona office here and, and right, in the, right in the heart of uh, the East Valley and Tempe, Phoenix area. Yeah. What are some of the uh, the projects that you've been that Rosenden has been involved with here in in, uh, in the Phoenix metropolitan area? Oh goodness, it was uh, you know we we started with Intel and then the the first big breakout project was the uh, this new project at the Arizona Center. The theaters was the first job that we did. Uh, the I think it's the AMC theaters at the Arizona Center. The Arizona Center, probably yeah. 1998. Yeah, I remember when that opened. Yeah, that was a big <laughs> deal. It was all new. You yeah. know, took took away St. Mary's High School and and put in a a, a big uh, big center for entertainment and and offices. Uh, the next one, while we were working on that, we the the uh, Collier Center, which is the B of A building, 
That was the next big project that we became involved with. Those are landmark jobs that everyone sees every day. We were working at the Arizona Biltmore. We were working in many, many other sites uh, around the area in the late 90s. Um, as we moved into the early 2000s, we, we were involved with building a, a county jail, the Lower Buckeye Jail facility. We moved into the wastewater business and worked on the, the 23rd Avenue wastewater, the 91st Avenue wastewater for Phoenix. Uh, again, we moved uh, up into Glendale and worked on a Glendale wastewater project. Some of the jobs that we, we really, that, that make me very proud, all of them, I'm proud to be a part of them, but the Sheridan Hotel, when that job came along, um, it, it was just, I, I knew the site. Uh, at that time, uh, my wife was working, had just been working at the Arizona Republic for 20-some years. She had just left the newspaper, so I knew the I knew the facility, I knew the area, and it was the job that we really wanted. And we pursued the job, and uh, we were awarded the job. It, we had to bid it. It wasn't a, a gift. And for me, it was pretty special because the guy that was running the job, um, uh, Ken Schockerbauer, was with Perini Construction at the time. And Ken and I went to Sunny Slope High School together. <laughs> I knew this guy. And it was just so odd that, you know, the the two guys that were hanging out in the wood shop and in the in the in the auto shop and metal shop were were there building this you know the structure that's going to stand for we know our lifetime right. um, it was a great job it it was something that that it stood right in the heart of the city it was it was a a very proud moment for us but doing that job was you know it's a hotel out of yeah. all the high tech jobs we've built and all the cool stuff I've been involved with, I'll I'll tell people the Sheridan Hotel is is uh, yeah. the one that I'm I'm the most proud of because it was, you know, you're standing in a parking lot shaking hands with somebody saying, "Let's go to work," and you're there at the at the opening, and you get to drive by it every day and say, "There it is." Um, following that job, or kind of simultaneous, we worked on the uh, City of Phoenix Crime Lab. We had done the uh, Arizona State uh, Health Lab. And uh, following the, the, the Sheridan project, we, we became involved with the uh, Maricopa County Court Tower. We were the prime electrical on that job. It was a very large project for us. And another job that was just a, a, a long, hard job to, to get booked. It was a long pre-construction process, working with a lot of the local contractors, uh, Ryan Companies, Gilbane, um, another great project for us, and it's it's a, a landmark project that Rosenden's very happy to be a part of. And, and as far as memory goes, it was a it was a great successful job. It was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So, what is what is you mentioned the word pre construction? What is what is pre construction? Well, you know, it, it <laughs> it's technically called pre construction, but as a subcontractor, we call it free construction. Uh, it's the heavy planning stages before the job's awarded many times. Sometimes you've, you've got a, a notice of award, but we've got some things to do. Um, in the old days, it was just working on budgets. Now we're working on value engineering with the engineers of record, working with the general contractors on owner and owners on what would work best. Uh, we've built the buildings virtually now in, in uh, building information modeling, so the BIM models get started. So it used to be you got a job, you rolled out the drawings, and you went to work. And probably in the last 15 years, you, when you get a job, you, you spend a lot of time up front building the relationship with the construction managers and the owners. 
and the other subcontractors. And you, you, you spend six months to a year sometimes on, on pre-construction, making sure it's uh, kind of choreographing the dance, learning the sheet music, learning your lines, learning where you're going to be. <laughs> it's showbiz. <laughs> it, it, it's, you know, I guess it's showbiz. Uh, and, and, you know, and like showbiz, the show goes on when, when, the, when the steel doesn't come in on time and the, and the walls aren't done and the electrical switch gear is stuck somewhere on a, on a, on a boat from, from somewhere. Uh, but the opening day always seems to happen on time, and that's something we're very proud of. We've we've worked yeah. with some very demanding customers and some very demanding places here in Phoenix, and and uh, we we open the doors on time. Yeah. One of the um, uh, projects that I, I see noted here uh, from your press release is that, that you've been involved in the Sky Harbor Airport renovations. What were what were some of the things that were renovated at the airport? Well, that's you know that job's been going on since the early '60s. So, uh, you know, <laughs> no wonder we keep seeing. Uh, I mean, we. You know, I, I forgot to mention that we we were the electrical contractor on the rental car facility, and that was, I believe, expansion around, of that. No, that was a huge. Well, expansion. that was a huge job. Yeah, we we yeah. that was a you know we had uh, infrastructure upgrades going up 16th Street, yeah. uh, the entire facility, and that was a very large project. The project was uh, um, another good project for us. And I remember, I think, if I have the date right, I know it was NASCAR weekend. It had to be done. NASCAR weekend of 2005 or six. That was, maybe it was close. Maybe it was closer to 2007. But right. that was the date. Uh, little did I know when we bid the job. At that time, the most demanding day for rental cars was NASCAR weekend in November. So we were going to be ready for NASCAR weekend that year. So, um, but that was the first big airport job that we we became involved with. After that, we became uh, involved with um, the, the some of the contractors that were working on the job order contracts on site. So anything from remodeling bathrooms to remodeling gates to providing infrastructure upgrades for security, uh, upgrades for communication. Uh, with our technology upgrades, it seems like we're constantly tearing out and putting in new uh, infrastructure at that airport. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the job, uh, a lot of security uh, around that airport, um, the gates, uh, fortifying the gates of entry for, for vehicles, um, just uh, miles and miles of conduit making the, the facility more secure. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's an ongoing project for us. We, right. you know, you, you see the, I forget, I was in there traveling. I travel a lot for work right now. And uh, one of our guys came up at the middle of the night. I was there about midnight. And I turn around, there's one of my guys. It's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for my luggage. And we were doing an upgrade for uh, American Airlines, and it had to be done after hours. And, and a lot of people don't know the residents there at the airport, but uh, you go there at midnight. A lot of people are there. Yeah, a lot of construction going happening. on. So, I have a question for you. Just curious. I mean, when I first came here to Phoenix, they had that beautiful tile mural on the wall, the Phoenix Bird, in one of the terminals. Yes. What the, the, is that still there? Whatever what that is, happened to there? That is still that? there. That okay. is in Terminal Two, terminal and two. I'm happy to say, and and I I read this in the in the uh, local papers, that that is being relocated to the rental car facility. Okay. So. Uh, growing up in Phoenix, the um, the airport was a special place. Yeah. You could stand on the roof and watch the planes come in. 
uh, we would go there as teenagers for entertainment value, just to hang out at the airport. Mm -hmm. But I can remember as a little boy walking in and seeing the 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 compass, the phoenix bird with the compass on the floor. Right. And they covered that in carpet sometime in the late 1970s. And in the 1990s, they pulled the carpet off. <laughs> and and there it was. <laughs> and then I can remember looking up at the phoenix bird just thinking it was just cool as a kid. Yeah, yeah. And you forget about it. You you walk by this stuff every day. And I'm I'm really happy that Phoenix is going to relocate that for future generations and people can see. And in the in the rental car facility, it will be nice for folks to, you know, when they come in, they see it, they know they're in Phoenix. It's a, yeah. It's a it's a monument that needs to be relocated and enjoyed yeah. in the future. Well, I'm I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. That's a really I think for me I think that's one of the things that really spoke to me when I came here is that to have to see that piece of art. And there's a lot of artistic things, especially in the, the renovation of Mesa. There's all sorts of the whole arts district and everything else that's been going on for quite a while. Yeah. You know, artwork has become such a part of our of our day-to-day lives where, you know, again, as a young man, you had to go to the art, you know, go to the art shows or go to the to the theater to see art. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I first learned about artwork budgets and construction in the early 90s. I was in Denver working at the Denver International Airport, and we started seeing uh, lighting patches, packages coming out for artwork lighting. These were not small packages. These were very specific light fixtures with dimming systems. And and then you see the artwork that they're lighting up, and we're in an airport. Right. And it became it's very important for people to come in and understand the culture of where you're at. Uh, uh, local artists, local local themes, mm-hmm. and uh, now it's every day. Every project has an artwork budget and artwork lighting, and it's a it's very important and it's kind of cool, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, to see that walking through the airport, there's those sculptures that are in the cases there, and we have things. That, one of the things that I really enjoy, what's nice as far as opposed to driving lots of other places around the country, is that even on our freeways we have those. Uh, those sculptures or murals, sculpted murals on the sides of the freeways with different a- local animals and indigenous flora and things like that. And it's, not, it's nice to see that. You it, know, it's, it's, it's great it's, to yeah. see it. But yeah. I think uh, when the 51 first opened, there was a lot of conversation about the teacups and the artwork. You know, what is that all about? <laughs> and, and it's art. You know, some people see a teacup. Other people yeah. see art. So uh, it's great to see our, our freeways. You know, the sound walls are sound walls. But... When you look over and you and you see that there's things cast into the concrete, that the city, you know, the city government takes the time and, and invests the money to to give people the uh, the 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 visual and the and the impression of where they're at. It's pretty important. It's yeah. nice to see. Yeah, it's really nice to see that, and it's one of the things that gives our our city character as far as uh, you know development and construction one of the other projects that you were involved with is uh, is the Tempe streetcar where 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 does that uh, where does that run from from what point to point it runs from uh, it it circles up mill avenue and goes down mill around apache and ends out i believe i don't think it may go all the way out to dorsey i'm not sure mm-hmm. um, this is a cool project the the streetcars are are battery powered 
So it's all electrical, electrical, real. It's electrical. all electrical. <laughs> this is, you know, I'm glad I'm glad we get to talk about something with wires here. Everyone, everything's talking about wireless nowadays. This has got real wires. So, yeah. um, it, it it serves just the Tempe. It's good for the for the arts district there. It's good for the students. But this is a a, a new project for us in the in the battery powered stations, and you know, it doesn't have these big ugly wires going the, down the middle of the road, and I know that light rail is a big thing, and it, we love doing light railed projects, but it's hard to see. You know, it, it, it obstructs our view. So this will have stations that the, the, the streetcars will pull up, and the chargers will connect to them while people are getting on and off, and it just goes and they charge from station to station. And uh, it's new technology, and I think it's going to be uh, the wave of the future, especially for downtown areas where you're not having to go great distances. Right and a short 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 distance, distance and, and um, right. yeah, but it's a it's very unique and it's it's you know Tempe's always been out there with their you know new new ways of doing things it mm-hmm. it just fits who they are and and what they do uh, working on the project is you know it's an extreme challenge it, that that's a very busy road Mill Avenue Apache um, not a pedestrian traffic so a streetcar is. Is, well, uh, it's, it's a good thing. It's have. a good thing because yeah. it, it parking's a challenge. We've got so much housing in that area now. Yeah. The student population is growing. And, you know, we, we need to make sure, the cities need to make sure that it's not just the students frequenting the area. I mean, this should do great things for the businesses. It's going to be easy for people to get around. Uh, you can you can take uh, some public transportation in. You don't mm-hmm. You don't have to have a car in Tempe to have a good time and to enjoy the city and, and right. to move about. So uh, this one's a, it's a, a new type of project for us. This is our, our first big transportation job. It's a, it's a, another uh, business that's kind of tough to break into and, and we're, uh, we're in the transportation business now. Yeah, that's great. Local that's transportation. <laughs> <laughs> Local transportation. You know, I, something looking at the, um, being here since the late 90s and looking at development in Phoenix, Arizona, I just, I'm curious about something. I wonder if you can answer it for me. Um, being that Phoenix is an area of pretty pretty solid geologic stability. I mean, we have Palo Verde out there sitting on there. We don't really have earthquakes here. I mean, very, very, very small ones. So you can have a large plant like that out there. And one thing, looking at the development of, of having lived in Washington, D.C., and New York, and Los Angeles, and San Francisco, and a few other places around the country, one of the things that kind of mystified me, and I was talking about this with my wife, and it always kind of looking at something like Tempe Streetcar, which I thought, what a, what a wonderful thing to have. Walking downtown, you, just park in one, you can park far away and go all the way through downtown and shop on the storefronts and brings in business. But looking at the general Phoenix metropolitan area, and I'll just be very blunt about this question. Why don't we have a monorail system rather than a street? Why do we have what we have? And why don't we have a raised monorail going all around town that would really, that would bring a whole bunch of attention to to our city? Why why didn't that happen? You you know, I honestly could not, I cannot answer that question. Um, I, I agree that it would be a great idea, but that's a that's a question for the the city planners and and the <laughs> investors and and all the people that that's their business. I can say that that in the cities that have that the areas it it's a it's a unique thing. I've ridden on them; they work. 
They're all over the world. Singapore, Hong Kong, Middle East, I mean, all over. But I, you know, growing up in Phoenix, uh, you got to remember the the Papago Freeway, which is the 10, Mm -hmm. was planned, I believe, in the late 60s. The Moreland Corridor was was vacated and, and put aside for the freeway in the early 70s. We didn't build that freeway until the, the late 1980s. Phoenix is, uh, you know, we've we've been we've always struggled to to accept things like that. I think things are moving a lot faster when you look how how fast the state and the city were able to put the the 202 South Loop in. Right. Uh, I think we're going to see things move a lot faster. However, a lot of stuff's always is that these projects have been faced with a lot of resistance and and resistance to change. In uh, trying to think, it was 1980. We had the floods that year, and I remember very distinctly Mill Avenue, and uh, I believe was it I-10. There was only a couple ways across the Salt River, and I think half of I-10 was shut down. They ran a train from the East Valley from Mesa into downtown Phoenix every day. They ran it on the tracks that were there. Right. Uh, that to me, it, we did it when we had to. Uh, I think all we really need now is to really want to, because I think the need is there. Do you uh, think it can be some parts of the city can be converted to be a monorail above ground train? Is it possible? For I, I like that to happen? I don't think I'm qualified to answer that. I, I can't <laughs> you don't say. Get yourself in the I, I can say that back to my memory, the 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 Papago Freeway was going to be elevated. Yeah, it was going to be elevated, and that was the big thing. And when you went to Christown Mall, there was a map. And a, and a model of it, right. and standing there with with my parents going, wow, there's going to have an elevated freeway just like L.A. Right. Um, that didn't happen. Yeah. There's other little developments, I think, like in South Korea, they have down the center of the, of the freeway, they have an enclosed uh, bike path, which is solar-powered, going down the entire length yeah. of the freeway. I don't see why we couldn't have the availability of sunlight here, why we couldn't have something like that here. I think we're going to see, you know, solar is, is, is growing very, very fast. Our renewables department at Rosedon is, is uh, our fastest growing uh, vertical in the company right now. Mm-hmm. Despite what's going on in Washington being that we've got a, a, a government right now that's a, it's a coal and natural gas and petroleum-based viewpoint, mm-hmm. Solar and wind continues to grow at record paces. Right. Uh, the, 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 the tax credits, all of the incentive monies have been taken down to a minimum, and they're still growing at record paces. Technological improvements as well. It, it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, solar is, is here to stay, and I'm by far no expert, but I'm banking you know, my career and the future of Rosen and Electric on solar being a very big part of our future. Wind has been around forever. It's a solid. It's a f- solid renewable type of energy, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to keep growing it. We can grow this responsibly. We can grow it in areas that does not impact the the environment. I can I can say that the the environmental constrictions that we have on building solar fields, uh, we've trained people on how not to get bit by rattlesnakes. We hire herbatologists full time yeah. on every project to to relocate. Certain animals and certain uh, mm-hmm. certain you know creatures out there that will kill you. Yeah. Um, I worked on a project in Maryland where we had to do a full study of all the uh, the animals that were living in this area. It was a it was a 
it was a cleared area that had probably been cleared for for hundreds of years but we we had to go through all the 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 waiting time to make sure everything was clean and that uh, we wouldn't impact the 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 wildlife and the and the environment around it so i would say that's part of a pre-construction process that was that was all pre-construction to uh to to move uh, the residents of the area that w- that are there previously out of the area, <laughs> well, I can tell our, our animal um, uh, community. I can tell you that some of the uh, the residents we move them one day and they're back a couple days later. You know, the yeah. slithering kind they they well, it's their it's their home. They find their way back. Yeah, so that's that's makes me, forget. makes me glad I'm in management because yeah. that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> the pictures I see is oh that's a big one. You know. Yeah. Well, it's part of our learning how to coexist with uh, with the with our with our animal community where where we live here and to live as harmoniously as we can with them. That's a big part of what we do, and yeah. that's uh, being responsible and and uh, yeah. moving forward. What you mentioned about development in terms of energy. What what are some of the other things that you'd like to see in Phoenix projects planned or proposed, or things that you'd like to see happen in the future? Well, you know the the transportation. We we're on a really good run right now with transportation. That 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 two hundred two loop is amazing. It was done, I think, in under four years. Um, I, I want to. I have not had the chance just to go drive on it, but I've I've gone out on a Sunday drive just to go drive the new freeway. I think these these roadways that are planned right now to widen and, and to improve. Uh, light rail is is a as a resident. At times, I really don't like it, but when I look at what it does for the areas and you look at the development that follows, um, the the South Phoenix light rail, to me, is very important to the community. Mm-hmm. Yes, I don't live there. I know it's going to be disruptive, but when I look at the neighborhoods that they've gone through and look at the growth that comes, it's, uh, it's phenomenal. Uh, I think that's something that could be expanded, mm-hmm. and light rail, if we can get it to uh, some – out into the southeast valley, um, any type of transportation that can get us from the surrounding areas in, this is not a small city anymore. Yeah, Phoenix sprawls forever. I know it's one of the largest metropolitan districts in in the entire country. One yeah. of the largest in the world, I think. Really. Yes, and I I mean, this morning before I came on here, I I drove to Tucson for a meeting, and drove back, and from my house, I'm in the southeast valley. Uh, I know I can get to Tucson and to the meeting I was at this morning in an hour and 35 minutes. I know I've left my office to go to look at a project in Waddell, and two hours later I'm sitting in traffic trying to get to Waddell. <laughs> uh, Phoenix has some traffic. We have a, we have some transportation issues. Yeah. I would like to see the, the cities and the governments to work really hard on a comprehensive study that ties the cities together, that doesn't just go you know out to the East Valley uh, Grand Avenue. I don't know if you've made that trip out from from downtown Phoenix out to Peoria on Grand Avenue. I I drove here in the in the the mid nineteen uh, mid late nineteen eighties when there were very few freeways here in town. I, I know what yeah, it was like I, driving across town before there was a freeway. I I just drove on Grand <laughs> Avenue a, a couple months ago. I drove all the way from from downtown Phoenix all the way out to well Peoria. Yeah, and I thought what a what a great opportunity here for some type of a, a whether it be light rail or a rail next to it. We've got rights of right of ways with train tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the experts would probably say, "Mike, you don't know what you're talking about." They're absolutely right. But when you're driving that road, 
sitting in traffic, stoplight after stoplight. A lot of the areas are, are, are not, it's industrial. It's, uh, there's a great opportunity that I would see. Um, we're going to continue to grow west. Uh, I Driving to the east and the southeast, we're kind of, we're running up against a, a reservation. We're, right. we're running up against mountains. We're running up against right. national forests. Yeah. Uh, north, it, it's going to continue going north. But when you look what's going on out west right now, there's, there's a big need. I-10 can only be so wide, and we need another corridor from the west side into the center of the city. It's uh, The timing would be really good right now while it's still growing instead of after it's grown and, and taking it and, and rebuilding it and rebuilding it. I moved, I moved from uh, Sunny Slope to off of Gilbert Road and Southern in 1985. I think this is the first full year that the 60 wasn't under construction. Every time I turned around, that road was getting wider and wider and wider. And we're talking, you know, we're talking a long time. Yeah. And uh, I think the West Phoenix, we know it's growing. Uh, the, the plans, it's going to go. I sat with some developers in 2005, and they were showing me uh, plots of land developing along the train tracks all the way out into Harquahilla Valley. Uh, well, that That's far. Phoenix can grow. I believe Bill Gates had, has purchased a, a big plot of land on the west side of the White Tank Mountains. In our lifetime, we'll, we'll see, we will see that developed. So there's a need coming. We know it's coming. Transportation is going to be the biggest issue in this valley. And uh, we're addressing it, but it needs to be addressed on a grand scale and needs to be put out front, not, not waiting for the growth to happen and, and then right. react to it. We know it's coming. Right. All the Making us into a smart city in some capacity. Hopefully, that uh, that's in the in the thought process. Yeah, yeah as well. it's it, it's. I know they're thinking about it. I'm yeah. sure right now someone's going <laughs> to say, "Man, what's this electrical contractor talking about?" What I'm talking about is get it on the plan so we can get a job here. You know, we've got some electricians we want to put to work on the light yeah. rail and and transportation yeah. jobs. Yeah, well, that's going to mean all sorts of new houses, new schools that are going to be built, and all sorts of things. Oh yeah, the West Valley. Yeah. I can tell you, I took some advice from a from a, a, a coworker when I was talking about moving in the mid '80s, and he said, "Follow the 60. That the 60 freeways were all the developments going to be. If you move out there, you're going to have good schools, you're going to have good good infrastructure, you're going to have it all." He was right. I moved out there. Mm. I've been out there within the same you know 10 mile radius since 1985. Right. The development's following I-10, and development's going to keep going out. It's where it's going to be, and uh, we know it's going there. It's going to be a place to follow, and it's something we could get in front of right now. It's uh, you got to have a way into town. <laughs> that's it. Maybe we connect, uh, do a little bit more for the for the commuting because that's going to be more and more important as time goes on. And maybe maybe we'll get to see something like a monorail. Who knows? I never know about things like that. Well, Mike, thanks for coming to visit with us today here at Voice America, and uh, it's been fun hearing about the past, present, and future of what your company is doing here in Phoenix and what the plans are for the future. And uh, uh, is there anything else you'd like to add as a closing statement? No, it's been fun. Glad to be here. (laughs) And, uh, you know, very, very proud of our jobs here in Phoenix, very proud to be part of the Phoenix community and, and look forward to a 
to another 100 years. All right. Thanks, everybody, and thanks for listening here at Voice America.